Chapter Thirty Five of the Spanish Cavalier by Charlotte Marie Tucker. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Esther and Simonides. Chapter Thirty Five. Fiction and Truth. Here closes my story, but not my work. The information which some writers might have put into a preface, I have purposefully reserved as the choicest part of my volume for its conclusion. I hope that A. L. O. E. may be pardoned for giving to the hero of her fiction the name actually borne by a noble Spanish evangelist, now a standard-bearer of the gospel in Seville. Her tale has failed of its purpose if it has awakened no interest in the good work at this time going on in Seville, as well as in other cities of Spain. To give an idea of the nature and success of that work, and to place the true beside the fictitious Aguilera, she is but to describe from an occasional paper published in September 1873 by the Spanish Evangelical Mission. This date is about five years later than that chosen for the preceding story, and belongs to a period when a fresh revolution had convulsed the country of Spain. Our missionary agents at Seville have been called to pass through a season of great anxiety and of considerable danger, in consequence of the insurrections which took place in June and July, and the subsequent siege of the city. Through the love and tender mercy of our Heavenly Father, our friends were preserved from all harm, as were also the churches, mission houses, and schools. An extract from a letter written by an English eyewitness of the alarming insurrection which took place in Seville in that eventful summer of 1873 then follows. A terrible scene took place. The people gathered in many thousands and viciously demanded the lives of the members of the junta, who were at this moment prisoners in the Ayuntamiento, Plaza Nueva, now Plaza de la República Federal, in the Plaza de San Francisco, were filled with people who savagely shouted, ¡Que muera! Several hundred volunteers had already formed a circle, expecting the prisoners to be shot. The governor tried in vain to appease the people, who, like so many hungry tigers, yelled for the lives of the unfortunate men. Then a heart-rending scene took place. The wives and children of the prisoners, pressing through the crowd, knelt in the midst of the circle, and begged the people to spare the lives of those who were so near and dear to them. The children imploring with tiny, outstretched arms, but all in vain. Que muera! Let them die! was the only response. Suddenly, Aguilera, our evangelist, accompanied by a few friends, appeared on one of the balconies facing the Ayuntamiento, and gave a heart-stirring address to the people. He spoke so loudly that I could hear him distinctly on the other side of the plaza. The crowd at first did not listen. Some said, He is a traitor. Others, He is a Protestant, and many shouted, Shoot him! By degrees the shouts subsided, and the crowd soon became thoroughly moved by his earnest words, and broke forth into hearty cheers and cries of, Let them live! Thus did Senor Aguilera, by his courageous conduct, save the lives of the unhappy prisoners, who would otherwise have been sacrificed to the bloodthirsty mob. In another letter, written less than a month after the proceedings, the Spanish missionary, Reverend F. Polarmas, gives details which can scarcely fail to interest those who care for the progress of our Lord's kingdom in Spain. The events of Seville during the last few days had been most serious. We passed three days of greater anger than we had ever before experienced. A barricade was erected in front of the door of San Basilio Church, and a cannon was placed by the volunteers in the door of the schoolroom. On seeing these preparations, I had the English flag, and that of the Red Cross, or hospital flag, hoisted on the church. I invited the neighbors, without distinction of religion or politics, to contribute bandages, medicines, and other necessaries for the wounded. This they did most willingly. A committee was formed to assist me in conveying the wounded, not only to our own hospital, but also to those that were in the vicinity of the fighting. All this was done with great risk to our lives, but our Lord Jesus Christ was with us on all occasions. At the same time, I occupied myself in gathering under the roof of San Basilio, the women and the children, the sick and aged. By this means, consolation and shelter were offered to more than 1,500 persons during the three days of danger who left us with expressions of gratitude. 
A few more touches from the pen of an English missionary at Seville must be added to fill up the picture from real life now placed beside that which is the mere creation of fancy. Thanks be to the keeper of Israel, and praises to his name, for his loving kindness towards us and having kept us from all harm. The churches, houses, and schools connected with the mission, although two of them are very near the scene of destruction, were not injured in the least. The June insurrection ended, comparatively speaking, pacifically, but that of July, I am sorry to say, was the cause of much bloodshed and loss of property. No one knows the precise number of the dead and wounded. The Madrid papers announced them to be about 800, but that is probably an exaggeration. The city had the appearance of a vast camp. Barricades were erected in all parts of it. On Sunday, July 27th, the government troops could be seen advancing from the top of La Giralda. No one, excepting women and children, were allowed to leave the city. It was uncertain which part of the town the troops would attack, but the general opinion was they would attack the Macarena district in which San Basilio was situated. Consequently, many of the inhabitants of the adjacent quarters emigrated towards the cathedral and the river. I was at that time at San Basilio, making a range with Señor Palomares for the reception of the wounded. The church was filled with women and children, who were invited to take shelter under the English and Red Cross flags. I could not help remarking to Señor Palomares that God would probably bring good out of this evil by causing some of those bigoted Roman Catholic families, who are now sheltering themselves under the roof of a Protestant church, take refuge under the blessings of the gospel, and so save their souls from everlasting destruction. The bombardment commenced at half-past two on Monday, and continued till Wednesday, when the troops succeeded in taking possession of the city. Señor Palomares, myself, and several members of the Red Cross went out on Tuesday evening to bring in some wounded, but we could not get beyond the barricade of San Jose, for the balls still rushed by. It was a sad scene to behold. The whole neighborhood had been saturated with petroleum, and the pillars of smoke and fire were terrible. I have never witnessed in my life such a scene before. The disasters of Borbecki's army, of which I was an eyewitness, seemed to me less than what I beheld in the three days of the bombardment of Seville. It is most astonishing and worthwhile mentioning that, whilst the houses to the right and the left, the form behind, our Garcia Perez school, are more or less damaged, it should have escaped without even a ball mark, and that, whilst houses only a few yards distant were burnt, and a large cork manufactory not more than ten yards from it was almost totally destroyed, it should have escaped without injury. Our schools were only discontinued for a few days, and they are now as well attended as before. May the Lord have mercy on poor Spain, and cause the light of his gospel to shine in her midst. Let the reader of these pages breathe a fervent amen to this prayer, or let him content himself with the sign of sympathy with those who maintain so holy a cause. Men and money are needed. The conflict is going on at this moment. The battle is not yet decided. Such Spaniards as Cabrera and Aguilera still contend in their nobler Plaza de Toros with fierce bigotry and superstition. A formidable enemy is before them, but their weapon is the word of God, and English friends, faithful and firm, stand at their side. When in eternity the ancient martyrs and the modern spiritual heroes of Spain remember in the mansions of peace and bliss the struggle in which they once bore so noble a part, may my reader be able with humble joy to exclaim, I was no idle spectator of the struggle. Such help as I could give I willingly gave, and I, even I, may now, while ascribing all glory to the God of hosts, join in the song of victory and the psalm of thanksgiving for the triumphs of the gospel in Spain. Another occasional paper, issued by the Spanish Church Mission, while this volume was passing through the press, took a cheering account of the progress of evangelical work in Seville. The number of children under religious tuition is a peculiarly encouraging feature of this work. Portions of scripture, illuminated by English hands, are hung up not only in schools, but some of them in private houses, to the great annoyance of Romish priests. The Spain is yet convulsed by civil war, 
and fierce bigotry has not ceased to oppose the truth and aguilera still holds his glorious post in seville and in the city where so many martyrs once died in flames kindled by the inquisition spanish lips are now preaching the doctrine of justification by faith end of chapter thirty five end of the spanish cavalier recording by esteban simonetti